Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Be Open and Authentic with Rohit. Today we have uh, Michael Feinstein with us on the show once again. So which means it's another incredible opportunity to learn more about startup ecosystem and technology and, and so many more things. So, but for today, I'll, you know, I specifically want to focus on the stress and burnout aspect of this wonderful ecosystem, right? Which most many founders and many people in the technology go through more. And it's mostly due to the incredible demanding work nature, uh, that exists in startups and, and in, in some of the technology jobs. So today we will talk to Mike about how we, how we can handle those better and just how Mike has handled in the past, because Mike has been in those scenarios multiple times. So there it's, it's, um, an incredible opportunity to learn from those experience and see what are the other things that we can uh, learn ingrain in our day-to-day basis so that we can better handle these scenarios and never pro- and if, if if we can we can proactively avoid those scenarios as well um so firstly uh thank you mike uh once again oh, happy to be here uh yeah uh yeah thanks for that and just just one curious question mike before we get started into that right mm-hmm. so what what keeps you going you know, and, and what is, <laughs> in how, and how can you maintain that level of energy throughout the day? But, you know, one reason I ask is, you know, we met before like maybe three, four weeks and we were in a room and you had most energy than many other, you know, anger folks, not trying to be, <laughs> uh, you know, not trying to have a gender discrimination, sorry, age discrimination here, but just trying to answer like, just, just what, what is that? It keeps you going. And even now it is like 8 PM for you. Uh, so which also means it's too late to <laughs> talk to me on the show normally, but, uh, but like, what is that, that keeps you going is what I want to understand. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I'm lucky, uh, good, good genes, good health is a, certainly is a good start to it. I think, yep. you know, my father worked until he just couldn't really work anymore. My mom still has plenty of energy. They both, you know, mm. my dad lived to be quite old. My mom's quite old, um, with a lot of energy. And so I think I'm lucky to have those genes and I've been lucky that I'm, you know, reasonably healthy, but I think, you know, that's one aspect. I think there's a mental aspect to kind of carrying on as well and, and keeping it going. And for me, you know, I just get a lot of energy from the startup ecosystem. I love talking to founders. I love, you know, kind of hearing new ideas. It challenges me. I mean, I, I always think about a business when I hear about it from the founder and ask questions mm-hmm. and try to learn more about what they're doing and understand the market. And so there's a hundred things to learn from all these engagements and that's very energizing to me. Sure. And um, yeah, so I, I, I think it just kind of feeds on itself and that's why it kind of keeps, keeps me going. I mean, I can get tired. I do need breaks, <laughs> sure. but I think, you know, there's a lot that really energizes me. And, you know, I think overall I, kind of get more out of it than I end up putting, putting into it. So yeah, that wow. works well. Okay. That, 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 that's great. Uh, firstly, I think your curious nature and, uh, willingness to learn more and more, uh, I think is probably the key. And I think, uh, to your point, right. Still being humble, you know, with a lot of experience, again, you know, you kind of saying that you still learn from engaging with startups more and more, even though they're in the early stage, uh, your interest or your mindset to learn from those engagements as well is, is, is very incredible. Uh, thanks for that. That's something that I'll, I'll keep with me for, for a long time 
or at least I'll try to. Well, so, I really feel like, um, you know, that's, that is like one of the keys to, to life is kind of to always be curious about what's going on. I mean, no matter how much experience I have or all the different things I've done, you know, other people have their own experiences. They've come from different places. They're working in different kinds of businesses. They have different kinds of training, different opinions. Yep. So there's almost always something new to learn from just about anybody that you come across. And so if yep. you are a little bit curious and can engage in the conversation and, 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 and find these opportunities and you can expand your own horizons and learn it, you know, as I said, that's what really energizes me. That's, that's very cool. Uh, being open to learn uh, is, is the key and, and having that, you know, going with that mindset for any conversation, I think is, is incredibly useful as well. Thank, thanks for sharing that. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, to, to get into today's topic, right. Um, uh, you know, in the, in the previous episode, we talked, we spoke a little bit about burnouts and where you faced, uh, you know, in, in one, in a few of your experiences, um, but can you provide a couple of, you know, um, examples in terms of where you faced those, those burnouts, or uh, maybe if you can give a little more context into it so that, you know, we can, get, we can dive deep into those, those. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I was kind of lucky in that right out of college, I really kind of dove into a startup and it was an all consuming situation. We were writing video games in the early 80s for Atari. We were competing against internal Atari teams on the, some of the same projects sometimes. And mm -hmm. we were really pushing to get as much done as fast as we can. I think I probably really literally averaged over 80 hours a week for my first year out of college of work. Wow. And, you know, there were, there were definitely weeks where I really worked over 100 hours. And that's, you know, you can say that, but if you really start to do the math about how many hours that is every day, it was a lot. And you a know, lot. I had, I had all of my energy I have now. Plus I was a lot, I was a lot younger. So I had a little <laughs> yeah. more energy and I was motivated and excited by the opportunity. And, you know, I didn't quite work that hard the second year, but I was still working pretty darn hard. And, you know, I took on management yep. role and responsibility role as I grew over the first couple of years of the job. And at some point, I just hit hit the wall. You know, the company had some ups and downs, and I felt a lot of responsibility for the people that were working for me. Mm. And I really, I mean, as far as I know, I had like a nervous breakdown, to be honest with you. You know, not really mm. diagnosed, but uh, yeah. I just all of a sudden just like hit the wall. It's like, I got to get out of here. Company was based in Boston. I took a plane to California. I rented a mm. car. I just like drove up the coast from San Francisco to Oregon by myself. I was smoking <laughs> cigarettes, which I had never done in my life. I mean, this is not a healthy thing to uh, have done. And I just needed that break. And I mean, I don't, I can't even say what was really going on for sure. Yep. But I did that for like a week and a half and, you know, spent almost all this time by myself, totally by myself. Mm -hmm. When I came back, to work and I was pretty sure that I was going to come back, but I mean, there was a chance I could have said, Nope, I'm done with that place. Yeah. Uh, I came back to work and I just realized like, I can't push myself that hard. Right. It's just yep. obviously not healthy, not physically healthy, not mentally healthy. That has to change. And yep. 
you know, I think sometimes you have to hit rock rock bottom to realize that you need to do something different, right? And so um, to a certain extent, I was lucky that that happened early in my career. I was probably 24 yeah. years old. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's not good that I got to that point, but it is good that I was able to realize, like, I need to do something different. So I really yeah. just decided, like, you know, working hard is hard enough, right? I don't need to go overboard. I I have to be able to draw some boundaries from a time perspective and also from like a mental perspective, right? I mean, it's important to be able to kind of draw a line in your brain between, you know, when you're, you know, what you're doing at work and what you're doing outside work. I'm not talking about the show Severance, although that was a great show, but I'm really, I'm talking about being able to put it aside. And, you know, sometimes you can't put it aside totally, but yeah. to really kind of take the stress out of it. And it's interesting. I know I talked a bit about time management. I think we'll talk more about it today, but it was right around that time that this same company kind of brought in this time management person that taught us a lot of the skills that I still use today for time management. And that was one of the things that helped me. Mm. And I, and you know, we will talk more about it, but I think yep. the real key is, is discipline and the discipline come like, you have to build up discipline like a little bit at a time. And, mm. you know, that's really what I did there is I just, you know, maybe because I had such a harsh experience, it was easy for me to say, there's just no way I'm doing that again. I can't work mm. that hard. I can't yeah. let this get to me. And so when it, you know, when it did start getting to me and I did feel the pressure, I could just draw on, you know, that horrible week and a half I had in California by myself and say, I'm not going there again. And so I just yeah. have to go home, take a break, hang out with my friends, watch a movie, yeah. whatever I'm doing to really separate. And I think, I just got better and better at doing that over over time. Gotcha. So it's, it's essentially finding a way to draw those lines, be it uh, maybe for the work mentally or maybe, I mean, physically or uh, in, even mm -hmm. in terms of the time commitment to it. Right. And, and particularly, yeah. uh, you know, one, one other one aspect that I want to talk more about is being, you know, you felt that responsibility that you know you're responsible for other people as well and particularly for founders i think that is one thing that stresses them a lot because if you have like five or six people in the team you know for early stage startups uh, and and if if things aren't going well you know it's it's tough it's a, it's a tough call you know they feel all the responsibility because in the early stage many people join with passion even though if they don't have money you know they really go above and beyond to be in that startup so, which also means that the responsibility of a founder is incredibly high, right? So, so how, how would you advise, you know, founders in this scenario? Uh, because it's really challenging to draw those boundaries, right? Because, uh, be, I mean, even from time management, because at some point you'll be like, Hey, uh, if they're working like 20, I may, I may have to work like full 24 hours because <laughs> I feel more responsible now, like in the sense, like how, how do you. Uh, what do you advise for founders uh, in on this? Yeah, and it's a it's a great question and a and a difficult answer because I think when you're in a startup, there's you know in some sense infinite work to do. The work is yep. never done, 
you're never at the end. There's always more (laughs) more code to write, more features to add, more customers to call. There's always more stuff because you're short on resources and the opportunity is big. So at some point, it comes down to kind of making a deal with yourself about what you're going to try to do, setting aggressive but makeable goals. And the goal isn't more, more, more. Like that just can't, can't be the goal. You know, one of the things that's ironic about startups is people approach them like they're a sprint, like I'm going as fast as I can, right? Mm-hmm. But they're really more like a marathon, like successful yeah. startups last years before yeah. you get to the outcome. You can't sprint for years, right? There's a big yeah. difference in pace. Even the best marathoners are slow for the 400 meter <laughs> run that the sprinter's yeah. doing, <laughs> right? So. Sure. Uh, you know, you just, you, you, so you have to, and so I think it really comes from planning in the end. And I think planning and organization is what helped me develop these skills of compartmentalizing the work. So I would, Mm. and I would help lead the company on a pretty aggressive plan of what features we're going to try to do, when we're going to try to get them done. And, you know, it was aggressive, but still makeable. And, you know, if we could achieve that, we're satisfied. And if we're on track for that, and I think we talked about this on last episode, how, you know, the best engineering lead that I worked with was really good at breaking down these tasks so that if you got this done today, you're on track to hit the big goal. And so if you can just keep like, it's like, you know, stacking bricks to build a wall, right? If you can, Keep yeah. stacking those bricks. One one good day of work, another good day of work, another good day of work, where you've laid out the plan that those good days add up to getting the job done on the time you said, then you can be satisfied with that. And if you're on and and to me, I get this mental piece from like, hey, I had the five things on my list that I was gonna do today, and I checked all those five boxes. I got them all done. So even yeah. though there's a hundred things on my list, I only had five, let's say that I was trying to do today, plus deal with today's fires. <laughs> um, yeah. The fact that I got those five done lets me relax, even though there's another 95 waiting and I'm gonna chip off five more tomorrow, let's say. So I think you can't get overwhelmed by the totality of the task. You have to trust that you've broken the task down into, um, you know, kind of aggressive but achievable chunks that help you hit the overall goal. And this takes discipline. I think it's hard for people to plan if you're not in the habit of planning. It's easy for people to talk themselves into, well, I'll just make it up tomorrow. You know, I didn't quite get it all done today. I'll make up tomorrow. And sometimes, you know, I had to work extra to get that stuff done. So it's not like this was a a 40-hour-a-week task. I mean, I definitely work long hours. But... I think there's a calm that comes with checking that last box off, even if I'm doing it at nine o'clock at night, you know, and now I'm done for the day. So at least I have a couple hours yeah. and I can actually decompress, you know, disconnect from work, focus yeah. on something else. I mean, hopefully I can do it before nine o'clock, but let's just say it takes a little yeah. extra time. Yeah. You still get that break. Whereas if you just feel like I got to keep going on this list of a hundred things till it's done, you can work around the clock day after day after day 
And sometimes yeah. you feel like you're not getting there because you can't see how it all stacks up to getting the job done in total. Exactly. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So discipline, you know, organization, organizing the work a little better. And I think the real key is breaking down the work into smaller chunks and mm -hmm. making incremental progress day by day. So, I mean, I, I can totally see why it is uh, important or how it can benefit. But I think uh, to your point, you know, the emphasis here is sometimes even though if you don't or can't deliver all of this work, even incremental and going back to the drawing board and reorganizing the work is, is the key. Because I think that's something that we spoke in the last episode as well, that because if you can't deliver the full blown product by the time, maybe you can still have a, you know, compressed version of it, which is still good mm -hmm. enough to push because even if you're, if you're, if you're now, if you decide that, Hey, I'm going to spend like 10 more hours or 20 more hours per week to, to make sure that I deliver everything that might not, that might not work well, because again, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Right. So yeah. I, so hmm, that, that makes a lot of sense. So in, I mean, one of the real task, keys, if I can just like jump in, one of the real sure. keys though, is like the advanced warning system that you're going off track. Right. So if you have things well planned, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, oh, I was supposed to get this done today and I didn't get it done. And I'm not really that close. Like this isn't just an extra hour for me to get this yeah. done. Because if it's just an extra hour, I'm just going to do the extra hour. And I'll get it done. Yeah. But this is like, oh, this task is actually a lot bigger than I thought. And now that I'm into it, I'm realizing like it's more complicated. That's yeah. the time to update your plan. Right. Rather, yep. yeah, maybe you'll work a couple extra hours and make a little bit more of a dent in it. But, you know, at some point you have to say, I mean, at some point early on, you have to say, uh, something's different here. I'm going to have to really replan, work with my team, work with my manager. Maybe we can shift other tasks around. Maybe we can talk to product management and say, is there some, is there a couple features we can drop to have a little more bandwidth? Because this feature yep. might be really important. It just turned out to be a lot more complex than we thought. So let's yep. re replan the work right now so we can yep. get it done in the marathon fashion, not with a series of, you know, overnight sprints um, yep. and, and, and reallocate the work, reprioritize, drop features, whatever you have to do, add some resource. If you're in a bigger company, you might have the ability yep. to add some resource to help get something done. Yeah, um, exactly. But, you know, do all that so that you can, you know, kind of, you know, maintain the aggressive but realistic pace and still get it done. But if you don't have that early warning system, which really comes from having the good plan, if you don't have yeah. the early warning system, you're going to fool yourself about how much, like, you know, how far behind you really are. I'm, I've worked on other projects, you know, we've been talking about the good ones, but I've worked on other projects where, you know, the engineering team says, we're on track, we're on track, we're on track. And then two days before the end, oh, we're a month behind. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? That was a horrible couple of days. Um, you know, but it, yeah. obviously they were behind for a long time, but they fooled themselves. They didn't have a good mechanism for tracking. They didn't have a detailed enough plan. They kept thinking yeah. they could just make it up with a little extra work. And then finally, you know, they're at the very end and there's just no possibility of getting it done. And they just capitulate and say, oh, we're really behind. I mean, that's, it's so much, I yeah. mean, they, if they had a good plan and a well-run project, 
they probably would have known months before months and True. i mean if you're behind by that much by that much yeah you you know you could start to detect it months and months in advance i agreed um so this I, I think this is very important right having advanced warning system and proactively making sure that you are not deviating from the plan and then the, another important thing here is it's not just the job of a founder i think everyone every hire in the team or every person in this in this domain have to have a the similar mindset or a similar approach to the mm-hmm. job right because if because if even one person is messing up or if even one person is not following the process so it incredibly delays the product or the deliverable which again uh, adds stress to other other teams as well other team members so i think finding a way to ingrain this culture into the team and then being on top of things is very very key here right cool Th- thanks for sharing this mike um, and and uh, you know we were you spoke a little bit about you know compartmentalizing the work so which is uh i mean which can we can see it in multiple ways particularly drawing the line from personal to you know uh, professional work or maybe in even in in the company itself maybe product versus funding so we can i think we need those mini uh, compartments for ourselves so but but just curious to know your th- your thoughts um, more more into this aspect yeah so i think there's multiple ways of compartmentalizing the work i mean when you're a ceo you have to worry about all different aspects of the company product yeah. development sales and marketing finance fund fundraising hiring yeah. you know everything yeah. and so if one thing is going a bit off track you can't let it derail the rest of the things you're working on you know you have to focus on the thing that's a bit off track but doesn't mean that you kind of ignore everything else because that all needs some level of attention so i think being able to compartmentalize to me it just comes from organization i mean some of it is just practice and discipline right so it's yeah. um remaining objective about the situation right so i think that's one of the biggest challenges as a founder is you know you're so passionate about the opportunity that you can lose your objectivity and when you lose yeah. your objectivity you're leading with emotions rather than um facts and intelligence and so mm. that's when you can have these wild swings and like you know everything becomes focused on the one thing that maybe is is struggling to the debt and that kind of hurts everything else and you end up in a downward spiral so yeah. you know maybe i'm i'm trying to make it sound easy about this compartmentalization but i think it's something that you have to work on and build yeah. up to it's not something True. that i did naturally myself either um it's just you know it's like a practice that i built and developed just like any other skill playing a sport or anything else you you try it you don't always succeed you make mistakes you fail yeah. you realize oh i could do a better job with that come up with um, i would often come up with my own approaches of how to do various aspects of this organization and management i learned from others obviously and yeah. you just try to get a little bit better every time you know one of the things that was really interesting for me is you know in my career i was an entrepreneur venture capitalist back to entrepreneur and i think i was a much better more balanced leader as an entrepreneur after i spent time as a vc 
Because when you're a VC, you you certainly have interest in the companies, you're excited about the companies, you're telling your partners how great these companies are going to be. But you also have to have some level of distance. I mean, you don't really work there. You're not there every day. Um, And at some point you have to say, like, is this going well? Is the company going well? Is the CEO the right person to be running the company? Have the market conditions changed? The financing conditions changed? There's all kinds of factors. And you have to remain objective about the company while you still remain committed and passionate about the company. And that's a complex situation. And so when I you know, finished up my time as a VC and decided I want to go back and be an entrepreneur again, I think I was much better. Because that mm-hmm. objectivity that I developed as a VC helped me, and yep. I mean, I you know I don't think I was thinking about the com- the companies in exactly the same way that a VC would, but I had that thinking available. So yeah, I was yep. passionate about the companies and you know all that. Worked hard, built the teams, executed, but yep. I could also remain objective, and I think that helped me be a much better leader. Great. I think this is something that um, most startups or at least most founders I know um, may not have consciously thought about it, right? Because it's so easy to treat that company as a baby and and, uh, be emotionally attached to it. But again, if you do it, if something derails, then you're being too emotional than being data-driven or being objective about it. Mm -hmm. Because at, at times you may have to let go of some things but if you're emotionally attached to it, you may, you know, you may not make the right judgment for it, right? So I think, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Uh, objectivity is another uh, thing that may, we may have to consciously practice as well as the com- compartmentalizing, right? Because if we la- take like four segments, maybe finance, hiring, product or sales, if one thing is messed up, you know, we cannot let that flow into the other three aspects because that I- incredibly derails the company. So, exactly. yeah, so I, you're right in terms of it's not uh, like, a, you know, white or black. It's, it takes time. It's not, there is no certain formula for it, right? Hey, I'm, I'm going to consciously focus on this aspect. It's, it, yeah, it's a skill that you need to develop over time. And it's not something that you can practice. Every, I mean, maybe practice every day, but you don't consciously do it because you have to go through that experience and make sure that you are following it consciously on on a daily or weekly basis for sure and and mm-hmm. it even gets um, uh, and mike uh, it even gets tougher to draw the boundaries between you know personal and uh, professional life right but even uh, particularly for founders mm-hmm. because there is a very thin line <laughs> now because it's your company and you are responsible i think even so i want to understand what are the things that you have done to draw the line between personal and professional or, you know, compartmentalizing your personal and professional life. Yeah, it's very challenging. And I think, you know, I always viewed startups not as a personal commitment, but as a family commitment. Your whole family has to be on board with the fact that you're going to be sacrificing some time with them. It's not a 40-hour week job. It's not a 50-hour week job. Hopefully it's not a 100-hour yep. week job because that's not sustainable. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it probably is a 60-hour-a-week yep. job. And so that is real time that is away from your family, and your family's got to buy into that. So I think if you mm. don't have that buy-in from your your family, your spouse, your partner, whatever, um, 
there's going to be tension, right? Because they're going to keep yeah. saying, hey, like come home earlier, come home for dinner, do all this. So yeah. I think it starts with just having that general understanding. Like I, you know, I'm working in a startup. It's going to be more time than a typical job and getting that acceptance. I'm so lucky to have had a very wonderful wife who is very supportive and, um, cool. you know, my kids, obviously it's hard for little kids to understand, but luckily I was able to, you know, carve out the time so that I could spend time with my kids and probably yep. sacrifice some of my own hobbies and interests because I, mm. I put them, I put my kids, for example, ahead of that. So yeah. I think it starts with that. I think, you know, to me, all these things feed on each other. So <clears throat> if you're objective about the company and so you realize like what's important and what's not, and you have a well-planned work day, so you've got a good sense of what constitutes a successful day, I got the things yep. done I needed to get done, then it does free you to then say, okay, I got yep. that stuff done. I can now spend time with my family. I and it's just it's, you know, I can now go home and not carry the work home with me. And you know, yeah. try not to, certainly. It's not always successful. Yep. But yep. try not to do that. And really <clears throat> You know, I mean, I would make just like I would make commitments to myself on the work side, like I've got to get this project done or this meeting or whatever. I would make the same commitments at home, like, you know, certain mm -hmm. nights I'm eating dinner at home tonight with my kids. Like, I don't care if I'm working after dinner. And I often did that. I would often leave the office yep. at a reasonable time to have dinner with my kids and my wife and spend a little time with them. And then I'd work in the evening. Right. So. You know, there was some benefits to that and that I got a little bit of a break during the day. Definitely got the important mm -hmm. time with my with my family and my children, particularly when they were young. And, yeah. you know, could help keep it in balance. So it's really just kind of having that disciplined schedule where you're putting all of your priorities into your day, not just your work priorities. Right. So you kind yeah. of need like an integrated set of priorities. So is it important that you have dinner with your kids a certain number of nights a week? then you've got to make yeah. that commitment. And that commitment to them is the same as the commitment to your work. If you just put mm -hmm. work first and everything else second, then, you know, it's going yeah. to be much harder to keep that balance. Agree. Um, the integrated approach is, is the key. And uh, oftentimes we may not plan for the, or track these commitments to the family because it's so easy to get lost in work and with all those responsibilities, right? Which is another uh, challenging part. And it's also not great because we deserve or they deserve to spend time, you know, as, as a family, right? We, it, it's, it's, it's a, ultimately it's the highest priority, but sometimes it, uh, it's not always the case uh, and, and it's understandable at times, but that's, that can probably work in the in the in sprints, not as a marathon. If it has to be a marathon, then family has to get a, a buy-in <laughs> that you are you are you are going to work for longer hours. And on top of it, it's our responsibility to not take the work home because which you made a very good point here in terms of wrapping the day up properly because if when you have so many pending tasks or when you don't plan properly that which means that you're not completing the day well which means that you have that in in your mind that hey you this hasn't been a great day and there is so much to get done i think that is when we carry all the pressure to home and to the next day as well which adds up and eventually leads to the burnout so 
I, I can really see why it is like, has to be the integrated approach and even prioritizing both things the same way. It's never the work or the family, uh, right? I mean, depending on at times we may have to prioritize one or the other, but for the most part, uh, we have to give equal weightage to it and make sure that we are following those uh, on day-to-day basis. Maybe, maybe we, I think it's, it's also time we need to create those sprint boards or those goals that, <laughs> hey, uh, have, on, on the personal side as well, because it's mostly since we have those deadlines, which are, are, are you know, we have, which keeps us thinking, you know, um, about those timelines that we need to deliver. But I think if we keep tracking those are family timelines or commitment, I think it, it will it will probably be a better, uh, yeah, better think that's right. world for all of us. You know, the kinds yeah. of things that I did was I would just make those commitments to my family, like dinner at home, certain number of nights a week. And I would tell them, these are the nights I'm going to do it. And I did it. And like, I would put the work aside and I'd go have that dinner. Or mm-hmm. we would say, hey, we're going to go do this activity over the weekend or this particular weeknight, we're doing something. And, you know, I just prioritize that at the same level as any work task. It's like, I have to do this. This is, you know, for this moment, it's my number one priority. And so you end up like, you know, as, like I said, this integrated list of priorities, not work priorities over here, personal priorities over there. But as I'm planning on my day and my week, I had integrated priorities. And, you know, to a certain extent, you know, there were sacrifices. Obviously there's some things you know, maybe I had some work conferences that were at the same time as something that my kids wanted me to go to. And I couldn't, I had to choose one. And oftentimes that might be that conference. So it's not like, yep. every, you know, I, you know, I'm not saying you can do everything. I gave up sure. maybe a lot of personal hobbies. You know, I don't golf, yep. I don't play tennis, you know, stuff like that, because I just didn't have time to develop those, those hobbies. I, I might've yep. enjoyed doing that. Um, but like that's something that I sacrificed because you yeah. can't do everything, right? Something's got to give. Yeah. But it's important yeah. that you are conscious about making those priority decisions, and you stick to them. Exactly. And and kind of honor those commitments to you know to your family particularly, but also to the company. You know, the company you've got exactly. commitments to the employees, to the investors. It's not the same as your family, but. It's, you know, in the end, like yeah. why was I was working? I was working because I loved it, but also there was economic opportunity that helps my family. Yeah. So, I mean, it is all kind of integrated together. Um, and yeah. everyone's got to kind of buy into that. Exactly. Uh, that, that makes, that's, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, just go with that integrated approach and uh, set, set equal uh, commitments and be realistic about the sacrifice that you want to make. Because at times, if you are in the journey, you may not have the you know similar life as your colleagues, friends, or family, because they might not be going to the same path. So which is sometimes stressful, particularly for the family, because they want to go on those trips and they want to do all the things that others are doing. So I think having that alignment with the family and, and uh, our anyone in the network uh, and, and making sure that you are realistic about those goals or, and the sacrifices um, will will actually help us over time. That, that makes sense. And I think here the key that we should be emphasizing is we should always come back to the planning and organizing the work. If, if these all is not going to, are not going to work out if the work day isn't planned well or executed well, if there is a, you know, so much, pending or there is so much overflow on the day, 
that eventually impacts all of it, no matter how, how the level of commitment. Right? So I think planning and organization is the key. And then eventually being conscious about all of the things that we spoke about is, is incredibly helpful. Cool. Th- thanks for that, Mike. Um, so, and I want to dive a little bit into the time management aspect quickly. Um, so can you share some of the time management I mean, things that you follow or that you embed into your life uh, on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis? Yeah, so I think um, it's something that's built up over time. So like we said before about other things, it's a skill you have to develop. So I think the two most important things are, you know, really making clear what's the most important things you have to do every day. And... Mm-hmm to really schedule those into your calendar, like block it off like it's a meeting, like it's an appointment, and, you know, don't finish the day until those things are done. So you can't do that with mm-hmm. 10 things. Maybe you start with one. Like this is yep. like, you know, because you have to, again, it's like a muscle. You have to develop a skill. This yep. I, Every day I'm going to set one thing that, I commit to myself, I will absolutely get this done today. I don't care what other things happen. This thing's getting done. And then you can do it with two things and three things and four things. And, you know, obviously everyone's work life is different. Some people have lots of meetings. Some people don't. Um, But, you know, kind of making sure you, you, you think about what's the most important thing that you have to do that day and getting that done first. Maybe not first chronologically, because maybe you've got me- morning meetings and you're going to work on this afternoon. That's fine. But, you know, it's your first priority that you're going to get that most important mm-hmm. thing. And then, you know, as you get better at it, like I said, you can schedule in multiple of these. The other thing that I think is real important is avoiding interruptions. So we get mm-hmm. interrupted by many things on our phones, all the notifications, emails. Yeah. You know, if you're working in an office, people coming by and bothering you, you know, maybe your phone rings, maybe there's, you know, there's lots of things that can be interruptions. Yeah. And I think you've got to be really disciplined about that. So my technique is I turn off all notifications pretty much on my phone, almost yeah. none. Um, and, you know, back when I worked in an office, I don't really work in an office anymore. I work at home. You know, if I had a door, I closed it. If I... If someone came into my office, you know, there's like techniques you can use to get them to go away very nicely, like (laughs) stand up. (laughs) But like if you're sitting at your desk and they come in, you stand up, it stops the conversation. You kind of walking towards the door, kind of escort them away. Um, And so you just, you know, managing those interruptions helps keep you focused and helps you get those most important tasks done. I think those are the two mm-hmm. most important skills. Everything else just kind of builds on that because like after that is this rigorous project planning that we talked talked about and the work planning. Yep. Um, yep. One other thing that kind of goes hand in, it's kind of part of both of those things is to try mm-hmm. to minimize the number of times you, you know, physically or virtually touch something. So I try to um, like, some new email comes in, let's say, something that I have to deal with. Yep. I, if I can deal with it now, I do. If not, I think about when am I going to do that? 
Am I going to do it this afternoon? Am I going to do it tomorrow, Thursday? Yeah. And, you know, I've got various systems in my email where I can flag it so that I kind of put it away until then. I don't keep looking at mm. it, look at it later this afternoon. Oh, yeah, I got to work on that. I got to work on that. Yeah. It's gone until it's time to work on it. And I think, yeah. you know, keep that it's really about focus, I guess, in the end. Like if you can really yeah. singularly focus on the task at hand, you could probably get it done more efficiently. Agreed. Uh, I, I totally agree with all of it because, uh, I mean, this is one challenge that I normally face as well. Just too many interruptions, too many, maybe sometimes too many emails to respond or it can be some other things or maybe too many meetings to attend. Uh, but finding a way to minimize the interruptions and being able to singularly focus on the project. I think that is the key to get all those tasks done. Because if you are doing half-assed work in one or the other, uh, it, things just overflow and it's it's not a good habit as well. So yeah, so like with it's, email, it's also not easy with email yeah. and things like that, or Slack messages or whatever. They're all kind of interruptions. Yeah, what I try to do is I set aside time during the day. You know, multiple times during the day, like a half-hour block. I'm doing email during that half-hour block. Yeah. I look at emails, mm -hmm. I respond quickly to some, I'll figure out when I'm going to respond to others, kind of get it organized. And then I don't look at it. Like I don't get the notifications. Yeah. There's no dinging. There's no pop-up screens. Yeah. I put it aside until the next block. Yeah. And, I, and if I have some free time, like things don't take as long as I thought, I could certainly do, yeah. do more. But if I've got this big project I've got to work on and like that's my number one priority, yeah, I've got to carve out yeah. some time for email because it's a real-time job and stuff happens. But I sure. make sure I get that project stuff done and I minimize the interruptions until I get it done. Gotcha. It's like compartmentalizing your, your work zone. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, fi finding a way to uh, minimize those interruptions. Cool. Yeah, to totally makes sense. Um, and I think it, it's not easy uh, as well. I think takes, maybe finding practice. a way to... It takes practice. It really takes practice. Uh, I think I've been trying it for, for so long. I I didn't get good at it. So I think it's probably tracking it over time and making sure that... I think tracking the singular, you know, the focus, the singular focus that you can put on a task, maybe tracking the time is very important because... When I, if I look back, right, or even in my day-to-day, -day, uh, I think that singular focus time isn't very high as it should have been because which also delayed some other tasks and all. So I think that is a very important habit to develop. And again, uh, coming back to your, you know, the time about the time management, obviously prioritizing one or two most important tasks for the day and getting those done again are the key. So prioritizing and being very disciplined about um, the focus or, or um, the interruptions, I think is, is very, I think is the key to um, avoid um, these burnouts and stress, because this, these are the minor things that plays a bigger role eventually. Right. These things add up and uh, uh, creates, a, creates a lot of <laughs> problems or stress uh, over time. So I think being good at these minor things, I think will will benefit us a lot. Cool. Th thanks for um, sharing all of this uh, with us, Mike. So, I mean, th this is, uh, this has been, uh, in I think, incredibly helpful because I, this is some, this is not 
the kind of content most people create or uh, most people generally talk about because we have been talking about how how do i fundraise or uh, how do i uh, you know get, hire 10 people or you know how can we develop awesome product but this is i think one of the overlooked topics and and thanks for sharing your valuable opinion on it i think this is going to help i mean this i'm sure this is this is helping me already but i think this will help a lot of people over time uh, th- thanks again mike i know we are at time so i just want to make sure i, I have it up so thank you do, do you have any any last thing to say mike or just one one last thing that i felt to mention so when you're trying to develop that skill and you know rohit this might help you at the end of every day sure. think about how did the day go with respect to the time management like did i get the stuff done did i get interrupted yep. why what can i do to stop that and then also spend some time planning planning tomorrow what's my day going to be like tomorrow yep. when am i going to try to do things um you know do i have all my priorities yep. straight so if you spend a little bit of time mm-hmm. you know reviewing and then planning the next day you'll start to incorporate more best practices and realize where you're falling down a little bit because like it's natural and i have you know uh, good days and bad days too some days get away from me yep. as well Stop. it isn't magic yeah. but i think if you just can focus on what happened what can i do to keep that from happening again it just gets a little better and a little better yeah agree um so i think reviewing end of the day and probably practically planning for the next days is is definitely important i think even in the long run i think we should develop a chart or some metric to make sure that we review on a daily or weekly basis it doesn't have to be like a thorough like five half an hour one hour job maybe like 5 minutes every day or maybe 10 minutes every week is i think is fairly enough to make sure that we are consciously developing that skill because it's very easy to overlook these minor things uh, um, and and you know get get ourselves burned out so, so finding a mechanism to track would be um, helpful i guess i think I, i should give it a deeper thought and and come up with something that is very sustainable Yeah. Uh, for myself I and hopefully I'll be able to I also think it's, it's important to remember you're in charge of yourself and your own time for the most part right you, so yeah you are the ceo of you're yourself. the ceo of you right so i think yeah. um even though you know you interrupted me 10 times today let's just say that's my fault it's my fault for letting it happen for being in a situation where it can happen for not telling you not to whatever it is even though you're yeah. the interrupter in my scenario here it's still my fault cuz i got to get my work done right so what yep. can i do to put myself maybe i'm going to go work in a different part of the office maybe i'm going to go hide from you whatever i have to do right but i yep. have to take the responsibility that it's up to me to keep that from happening for example i don't mean to say you're a horrible person to work with <laughs> just an example exactly <laughs> exactly um i mean we are mostly responsible for letting things happen uh, right because you can either avoid it or you can you stay away from it too so exactly um, yeah that, that that's a good point cool. thank thanks for sharing it mike and i know we're at time i just want to make sure i wrap you know we wrap it up on time as well cool i think i mean this this again this has been uh, very helpful and i'm sure it will help many others uh, mike thanks thank you very much for taking the time and to do second episode with me i know there are few more to come maybe uh, we'll we'll talk about that but yeah th- thanks for that it's this a pleasure thank you have a wonderful night yeah. you too